part two, the Nico Harrison, Jason Kidd presser. This episode, we're going to be talking about Jason Kidd pretty much the whole time. His personal past history that was talked about today, as well as his growth as a coach. Question from our own Isaac Harris. We'll get into it on today's Lockdown Mavs. I'm Luka Doncic, and this is Lockdown Mavs Podcast. And welcome, you could you are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead, media member and coordinator of Locked On Podcast Network, and joining me, as always, my co-host, contributor at Mavs.com. The, the kid, kid, the one more thing, what you got for me, Isaac Harris? Good morning, Isaac. <laughs> Jason. I, was to, I was totally thrown off there for a second. No, I want to you know, be able to... Um, Jason Kidd wearing glasses today. So this is part two. If you're watching this, you're yeah. like, all right, this is you are kind of off your uh, your normal uh, groove morning, right Isaac. now. We just we just finished part one. Go back and listen to that. This is part two. Um, so we were sitting before before the guy before Nico and Jason and Mark and them came out. And we're like, all right, let's put odds on it. Are they going to be in uh, <laughs> Scout with Brian team quarter zips? Or are they going to be <laughs> Are they going to be in suits and they were in suits, but then suited and booted. Then Jay Kidd walks out with glasses. Yeah. And, uh, but anyway, does he? Which classic press conference move? Yeah, cla- classic, classic uh, press conference move. His opening statement uh, was definitely, you know, and of course everybody's opening statement would be written out, but it was it was you know scripted a lot, and it, he was so zoned in on getting it right. Uh, I turned around and looked. I thought there was a teleprompter in the I, back. I looked too. I looked right <laughs> behind to see if there was a teleprompter because he was, and you can see if you see any of the clips, I think Mavs highlights on, on Twitter tweeted a lot of these, but you can see him staring directly into whatever camera and you could tell like there's certain lines. Now I've said a lot. I'm sure you have a lot of questions. Like he was, he, it was very scripted and, after thinking about it for a second, first of all, I was like, ah, he can't speak from the heart. He's nervous, blah, blah, blah. That's kind of cheap. And then I was like, actually, he put some thought and some time into it. And yeah. I kind of appreciate no, it. Yeah, I, don't, I didn't take it as a negative. Uh, not yeah. one bit at all. But coming up next, we'll tell you why Jason Kidd looks more <laughs> like Pitbull than Vin Diesel. <laughs> Those are the tweets we're getting right now from people uh, as to what he looks like. But for real, though, today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Enjoyment is in the end game. It's the whole game. 2.6 carbs, 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Uh, we're going to talk about Jason Kidd as a coach, his growth as a coach, the things that he's gone through, and then his personal history as well, and then some random thoughts and things from the presser. Again, if you haven't listened to part one, podcast and video available right now. We talked a lot about Nico Harrison, uh, their thoughts on Porzingis, the Haralba Balgaris questions, all that kind of stuff we talked about in the first segment, in the first episode. So go check those out. Here is our first question we're going to get to. This was asked by uh, an intrepid reporter about Jason Kidd and his growth as a coach over the last couple of years. Isaac Harris, uh, Mavs.com, Locked Up Mavs. Jason, after stops in Brooklyn and Milwaukee, how have you grown as a head coach over these past years in L.A.? Good morning, Isaac. Um, Well, I didn't get a chance to thank the Lakers. Um, understanding Jenny Buss, Rob Palenka, Kurt, and Linda Rambis for giving me that opportunity. But um, when I got the job under Frank, it was an incredible thing because I didn't know that I was going to be dealing with not just a great coach, but a great human being. And so what I got to learn for the last two years is something that I didn't know when I started in Brooklyn. 
And so for, for me to be able to call Frank and tell him if he's watching the Dallas Mavs, does he see anything that I've taken? Um, and so I've just been very blessed on this journey to meet great people and have these great opportunities. And so I will take what I learned from Frank uh, and apply it here because I think when you look at Frank's defense, it's been number one in the last two years. And so uh, here in Dallas, we're going to play a little defense uh, <laughs> because we know that we can score the ball. And so we're going to pay attention to the small things, uh, which will lead us down the road of winning that, that trophy. Mm. I found a couple things interesting. First of all, he never really says what he learned. He just said that he, I took what I learned and I learned it. And then that's why I learned it. <laughs> uh, but I thought that, I mean, he mentioned a couple of things and other times during the press conference uh, about, you know, about defense, how you can't defend one-on-one anymore. It's not just one player defends another player anymore. It has to be yeah. a team thing, it has to be bought in. I thought that was a really good comment because that's true in the NBA now. You can't just have, you know, it's not just like you bring in a Patrick Beverly and he just defends, you know, Luka the entire game or, or you know, Kawhi defends Luka the entire game. That's, that's all we talked about during the Clippers series is how you're defended by multiple different guys. You're trying to find the right matchup. You're, you're switching. You're doing all this kind of stuff. Uh, I thought that was important too. And I seemed like he learned a lot on, under Frank Vogel as a coach. Yeah, I'm glad he mentioned the defense part because I think when a lot of us, including myself, look at his time in L.A., and he even talked about this day of saying, I had that experience coaching stars in L.A., A.D. and LeBron, and he was comparing that to Luka. And, you know, that's where my mind goes. I'm like, okay, cool, he coached LeBron. He can see what LeBron did, how the team, like all this stuff. He can carry that into this you know situation with Luka. But I haven't always thought about how good that Lakers team has been defensively and how he brought that up today about Vogel's teams and just what he's you know taken from Frank and I was my question was more directed towards like how like how is he going to be different from uh from Brooklyn and Milwaukee days but he he took that angle and that was my bad on the question but still it was a it was it was telling that there is going to be a, a big focus on defense because it's like it's almost like hey we know we can score okay let's just put that aside yeah. we need to work on our defense and that's when Which Lucas says hey I'm just going to stay in Slovenia <laughs> which is true though and the, that lakers team was good defensively even when they had no business to it's not it wasn't just ad like when ad was missing time and lebron was missing time that team was still really good defensively and you're like yeah. why is this team good defensively with caruso and kuzma and like just this weird collection of players but uh, i think it's scheme and i think it, it's stuff like that and so hopefully jay kidd learned enough under frank vogel that he can bring that to the mavericks so i thought that was important another clip uh in question i thought was was pretty important was uh, something something that he's learned over his time, like what he learned from his first two stops, his stop in Brooklyn, his stop in Milwaukee, sort of the question that you were kind of alluding to uh, right there. And this was the, the answer that he gave on learning. And that. Uh, Mike Ducey from Fox 4. Uh, Jason, you talk about the, the benefit of your time with the Lakers. In terms of your head coaching experiences before this, what did you learn from those, from successes and failures that will serve you well here? That's a great question, Mike. Um, to, to understand uh, that you don't know everything. Mm-hmm. Um, as a player, making that transition to becoming a head coach, you tend to think you know everything. Well, that's not true. And so just understanding there's smarter people around me uh, to take that advice, that communication, um, being able to develop. You know, we have a young team. I know we can talk about Luke, and I know those questions will come but he's only 22. And so we still have a long ways to go 
to be that, that perfect player. And so just understanding um, my time in Milwaukee and Brooklyn, but my time around stars, you know, in L.A., being able to share that journey and that experience with my, my players it will be helpful because we all understand we're not going to go undefeated. There's going to be times that gets testy, and then how do we respond when things get hard? I thought that answer was maybe his best answer of the press conference. And I think it said a lot about his personal life as well as uh, him as a coach, which will segue into our next segment there. But uh, that is something to learn that, especially as a star player that had been a star player that had had the run-ins with Rick Carlisle about running the offense and all that kind of stuff. Like that's a, that's a know-it-all move to go to Rick Carlisle as a player and be like, no, I need to run the show here. You're the coach and I got to do this, right? Like that was sort of what Jason Kidd was. And to then transition to become a coach, and then to go through the you know the trials and stuff that he went through, the bad, the bad uh, exit in Brooklyn, and then the the firing in, in Milwaukee, and then just hanging out for a year, and then going to to be an assistant coach instead of a head coach with the Lakers and all that kind of stuff. To learn that type of humility, and to learn that type of uh, humility as a coach, and then I think he also from some of his answers later learned that as a person is massive. Yeah, yeah, that was one of my favorite answers that he gave today and that that was the that was the question a lot of us wanted to hear like wow take off the court stuff aside as a coach the stops in milwaukee and brooklyn there's some big questions around that how how are you different from that like how have you grown from that like what what is the difference between day one of you being the head coach of the brooklyn nets for your first job and you now and for him to answer that of saying I kind of thought I knew it all. Like I was the know-it-all and stepping in because I was an ex-player. I thought I knew everything. And it just shows like you, it felt like there's like true growth there. And that's what I think that was telling. And especially that he was ready with that answer. It was something pertinent to his life that he actually did learn. It wasn't like he thought about it and came up with something, right? Like some BS, right? That, that, that was, uh, I thought that was genuine. Yeah. There's a lot of things I didn't think was genuine in this press conference. I thought that was one of the things that that was. Some of it was just PR and talk. But coming up, let's get into how Jason Kidd has grown and the questions that he was asked about his personal life from uh, from a couple of reporters that asked some really good questions today. Uh, we'll hear from Sint Marshall. We'll hear from Jason Kidd. All that kind of stuff about Jason Kidd's personal history and all that. We'll talk about that coming up. All right, Isaac Harris, let's get into some questions about Jason Kidd's personal history. Now, going into the day, uh, I was curious how they were going to approach this. I was curious how they were going to approach Jason Kidd's domestic violence past. I was I was curious how they were going to um, approach, you know, Sint Marshall's no tolerance policy she talked about in 2018 and then bringing in Jason Kidd. There's a lot of questions we had, and I'm sure a lot of you watched our video or listened to our podcast that day when, they, when it was announced Jason Kidd was going to be the head coach. We had a lot of questions. Uh, and in that, I I said, I do believe people can grow, but also that I'm curious as to why the Mavericks think that they can be an organization that gets to decide when someone has grown. Uh, and I think one of those that one of the differences is Sint Marshall. I think she is a big difference from where this franchise was in 2018 to where they are now. I think she brings uh, a moral integrity. I think she brings an experience that that no one else in the franchise had before. Uh, and uh, an authority, right? Like an authority, uh, a moral authority is maybe the, the word I'm looking for. Like, I, it's like I'm talking about her like she's a pastor or like a preacher or something. But honestly, she kind of has that that like presence to her. 
Uh, and I do think that that is a big difference from where this franchise is now to where they were even a couple years ago before she was uh, the CEO for the Mavericks. And so her her comments are going to be all, you know sprinkled all through this. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to mention is that uh, the setup, we talked about it in part one, but you walk in and there's two rows blocked off from media. We couldn't sit in those first two rows and it was full of you know, assistant coaches, some staffers, and then Jason Kidd's full family with like his elementary school daughter and his, you know, his, his wife and his kids and all that kind of stuff. Nico's family was also up there. And so I was curious how people were going to ask questions about Jason Kidd's personal history, how they were going to address it, how they were going to talk about it with kids in the room and season ticket holders. And it's not, you know, it's not just, uh, you know, it's not just them in the media. There's a lot of different people in there. Uh, and so I was curious how they're going to address it. And I was a little disappointed. They did not address it up front. They waited for questions, uh, but they did allow Jason Kidd and Sim Marshall to answer these questions, which is a step up from, you know, if we're just going to compare what Portland did to what, you know, the Mavericks did, that was a step up from there. So there's a lot, there's a lot that, that goes into this. And, uh, I'm curious as to, uh, you know, what people think about some of these answers that the Jason Kidd gave. Yeah. <clears throat> Not to uh, say the same thing, but we, you know, we talked about this on Green Room uh, on that pod, uh, the yeah, before part one a little bit. And, you know, the Mavericks had a couple different routes they could have uh, taken with this. Portland set the bar pretty low on uh, how to deal uh, with the situation, especially, right. you know, on taking questions and everything. So <clears throat> I'd, I had confidence that they were going to you know handle it better than Portland did, but they had two routes. It's like you either go all in, talk about all the details, unfold, like, unpackage all everything that happened 20 years ago, all the stuff that happened, everything that's happened since then, how, what that journey has looked like, or you still approach it, but you, you approach it from more of a vague, bigger picture angle of like, I'll, I'll talk about it. I'll talk about that. I've, I've gotten better. And that's the route they took. Whether you disagree with that or not, they at least talked about it. So I do want to give them credit for that. I think I am with you on, and it, you know, I think Cato said this on our green room too, that, you know, I, I thought they would kind of go at it right at the beginning of whether it was like a pre like written out statement or anything of just getting ahead of it and saying, Hey, we know it's coming. So let's just go ahead. Um, but they, uh, you know, they went the route with, Hey, we're going to take questions on that. And once again, it's not, that's decisions above our pay grade on that. So, um, and they took questions like they they, yep. they, they did. Tim Cato asked questions. Several. Uh, Mar Maria Guerrero from NBC asked a, a very passionate, great question. Uh, and, you know, it, these were questions that Sint was was ready for. It's like, hey, I, I will answer these. Whether you disagree with those answers or not, they at least answered them. And like, hey, we're going to tell you why. Why I am, you know, Sint Marshall made it very clear why she was comfortable with Jason Kidd and, and those conversations. And I think we have the clip of that here on YouTube. Yeah, this is a question from our friend Kevin Gray. Asked the question, why did you believe that Sint Marshall was, or that Jason Kidd was the right hire? And he asked this to Sint Marshall. Oh, Kevin Gray, 105, three the fan. This question is for both Sint Marshall and for Mark. What in the process made you comfortable with ultimately selecting Jason as to head coaching hire and your conversations with him throughout this process to give you the idea that this was the right hire at this time for this franchise? Take it. And, and I'm sure many of you know that I had Jason and I had some great conversations and and I'm sure at some point uh, he'll 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 talk about it uh, because I don't feel comfortable giving his words. Uh, but I definitely felt comfortable as we talked about our values, uh, which most of you know are character, respect, authenticity, fairness, teamwork, and safety, uh, both physical and emotional safety. Uh, 
Uh, we talked about those values, what they mean, how we demonstrate those, uh, what we look for in our employees as, uh, as we are a values-based uh, employer. Uh, we talked about our code of conduct uh, and what we expect from uh, people who are on the payroll of the Dallas Mavericks. And we talked about our great organization and all the wonderful people, many of them are here today, uh, who work in this organization. And then we talked about uh, his past. We talked about uh, some of the history. And uh, he walked me through uh, his journey, which I will call it a journey. He walked me through that. Uh, and at the end of that process, I very much uh, felt like we were doing the right thing. Didn't feel like we were undermining our zero tolerance policy or our values or our code of conduct um, at all. It's values-based employment. And I believe we have uh, brought in two leaders um, that have values and their values are aligned with ours. I look at their families. The family values are aligned uh, with ours. And so I'm just excited. I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, just to reiterate what Sina said, um, you know, I turned to our expert. We obviously, when Jason's name came up, it wasn't, you know, an unknown. Um, and it was something that we were going to have to understand before we can make a decision. And we fortunately have somebody who is not only an amazing business person, but also has a background and experience in dealing with personnel situations that that I don't have. And so I turn I turn to the person that really is one of the rocks of this organization. Um, again, not only dealing with people and defining the culture, but also taking people that that have passed and making them stronger, making helping them understand um, how they can be better. And we went through this process to know that, you know, and, and it's not just with our head coach and Jason, but everybody that we bring in. You know, we have we have a process that we go through that enables us to to make a determination whether or not they can be part of the culture that we're defining. And beyond that, once you're in, there's still an ongoing set of responsibilities that you have to uphold. You know, there's training, there are reviews, there are, again, ongoing processes that SIN has in place and has put in place that make sure that once once we get once you get here, you're able to up, uphold the, the values of the Dallas Mavericks. And so it, it was a process. And fortunately, it's something we already had in place. This is not something that we just had to create for a unique set of circumstances. This is who we are. This is how we integrate people. This is how we evaluate people on an ongoing basis. This is how we define and retain and support and grow our culture to make it better on an ongoing basis. And so having all these things allowed us to, you know, put Jason and Nico and everybody that we hire through this process. There you go. That was kind of a, a long answer there from both Sint Marshall and Mark Cuban about this, but uh, Sint Marshall approved, right? And she talks about a lot later that she was a, you know, uh, she is a survivor of domestic violence and domestic abuse as well. And so she's looking at it from a unique perspective. She signed off on Jason Kidd and believes that uh, Jason Kidd is a person that matches the values that she rattled off. Like she had those memorized too. That's something that uh, you would imagine was written on like a poster board at like an office, right? <laughs> these are our values, these words written down, but she has them committed to memory because she believes them. It's what they want to be, a, what they want to be about with the Dallas Mavericks. And, 
that's how they came to that decision. Yeah, um, I believe in St. Marshall. And I said this, you know, when the, the kid stuff came out for the first time that, you know, I was more than anyone else. I was ready. I was wanting to hear what St. Marshall was going to say about it. Mm-hmm. And that if Jason Kidd was going to be the next head coach of the Mavericks, that meant that St. Marshall was going to sign off on it. And um, this was a, all St. Marshall, you know, as far as like making this happen, you know, crossing the finish line. Like, yeah, Dirk and, you know, Cuban, a lot of those guys, you know, brought up Kid, and, you know, basically it seems like they presented Kid uh, to, you know, St. Marshall in that way of like, hey, now it's in your court of like, hey, we we need St. Marshall's approval on this. And to see, you know, St. talk about that that conversation with Kid, um, to see that she vetted him herself. And that was, you know, that was a question of, hey, did you have an independent investigation uh, really about into kids past. And she's like, I didn't hand that to anyone else. Not saying that she didn't, you know, get other people to check in on that of, Hey, she, she says she sought, sought out advice and stuff before having that. But she said, Hey, I didn't hand that off to another company or another person. I did the vetting myself and she was comfortable enough with all the zero tolerance, all the stuff that she's you know put in place there since she's taken over of saying I, I was, she said she was very comfortable with bringing Jason kid on. One of the questions I had as well as, so St. Marshall mentioned a no tolerance policy for, you know, harassment, domestic violence, anything like that, that had been going on in the Mavericks organization pre 2018 for sure. And then even since then, that continues the no tolerance policy. So a question I had is that the question that Tim Cato asked in this next clip. This hiring you feel doesn't undermine the zero tolerance policy. What does that policy mean? and, And why would this hiring not undermine that? Uh, that policy is something that I stated uh, at the end of February 2018 uh, when uh, Mark and I sat here and we had our press conference. And I said that Dallas Mavericks uh, have a set of values, character, respect, authenticity, fairness, teamwork, and safety, both physical and emotional safety. We have a zero tolerance policy for misconduct, sexual harassment, false allegations, or anything uh, that puts our employees uh, in danger. And so if you don't if you don't adhere to our code of conduct and our values, you don't get the benefit of enjoying employment at the Dallas Mavericks. And I have no doubt these fellas will adhere. So the question was, do, how does how does hiring Jason Kidd comply to your no tolerance policy? And I think there was a podcast we had before where I said, well, a no tolerance policy could go one of two ways. One is we have a no tolerance policy for anyone that has had any history of this in their past. Right, which is a really rigid policy that I think some people would be like, yeah, that's what they should do 100%. They should not bring in anybody that has a past like that. Another way that they could take it is we do not have, we have a no tolerance policy for anybody that commits those acts while employed with the Dallas Mavericks. And that's the path that they decided to take. That's what St. Marshall just laid out there that, uh, that she said these guys will, you know, commit that these guys will uh, comply to that and they will you know, comply to that no tolerance policy while they're employed at the Dallas Mavericks. Well, uh, I think there's a middle ground yeah. to that too, because I, I think if somebody went out today and got arrested for domestic violence and then, you know, and they weren't employee of the Mavericks and then they interview next week, like that interview's not happening. Well, they, like, there had to be a journey and right. proof that of kid telling. And I think, that, I think for me, I think this was one of the big, uh, this is something that I would personally I would like to know on a personal thing. I want to know what that journey looks like for kid. I want to know 
for the people out there that maybe is in was in a, is in a similar spot right now that kid was in 20 years ago what's that journey look like what can they do like what was what were those steps over those years that Jason Kidd took to become a better person steps that sent Marshall has heard on that phone call probably that that to make her feel comfortable enough that she's seen the growth that kid has went through so uh, yeah the journey thing was referenced a lot and so yeah I think there's a middle ground in that for sure but anyway yeah, you know, I was going to continue on and say you have to have there's a reason why you don't believe that that person is going to commit those acts while, you know, employed by the Dallas Mavericks or else you wouldn't. They're they're not just going to take, you know, anybody like it's part of the interview process and all that. So yeah, 100%. Uh the last clip we're going to play here about this topic is uh the question like you mentioned, I think we mentioned a couple times from Maria Guerrero NBC DFW. She uh asked a, a very pointed question to both Jason Kidd and to to Sint Marshall about uh, domestic abuse and, and people that had uh, experienced that that were concerned about the hiring of Jason Kidd. Hi there, Maria Guerrero with NBC5. I have two questions for you. Miss Sint, um, you guys have been very, you say y'all are being very transparent about this, so let's have this conversation with our fans out there. Miss Sint, what would you tell a woman suffering domestic violence right now who, women who are perhaps heartbroken about this decision? And Coach Kid, what would you tell men who are domestic violence abusers about what they need to do to change as you, sir, say you have changed? Thank you. And I'll just respond, I can't, I can't speak to all the women out there as a domestic violence survivor myself. I can tell you what I have told myself and what I have told myself when I have been in pain, uh, what I have told myself when I have thought about uh, what my mom and my siblings have gone through is that it's, it's, it's inappropriate. It's, it's not right what we went through and that we, um, we have gone through our own process. We've gone through our own journey. We've gotten counseling. We've done the things that we've needed to do uh, to get on with our lives. I'm a woman of faith, and so I have spent a lot of time on my knees and a lot of, t- a lot of time praying to get to where I am right now, where I could actually talk to you about this. And so, as I said, when we had our press conference a few years ago, um, that uh, my heart goes out to anyone anyone who has suffered at the hands of another person. And so what I can do is continue to pray for them. I can't give anybody advice because I don't know their own circumstances. I know my circumstances. Um, To answer your second part, this is a serious matter. And uh, the first step is you have to get help. And if you don't get help, nothing changes. So you have to get help. There you go. I thought that, I mean, St. Marshall is uniquely qualified to make this decision, you know, for the Mavericks on behalf of the, you know, not, you know, she's the CEO of the Mavericks, so she is the Mavericks. Uh, but man, I thought that was, was, was very interesting the way that, that she answered that. And then Jason kids, you need to get help, uh, which echoes the help that he is, you know, tried to get in his own life and, and gotten in his own life. It looks like it was, that's the first step of the journey, right? You know, I, I just said, I, I would love to hear more details of what that journey looked like uh, over the years. And it looks like that was the first step. And that's the, that's the advice that he would give to people out there. Like, Hey, you have to get help. And, you know, kid had a couple more you know answers today of 
he, he went on a thing about mental health and how important mental health is across the world and across our league. And he talked about the weight things can have on you and how having people in his life back then and even now he was referencing DK and the role that, you know, Don has right now with the team. And yeah, uh, mentioned his name a lot. Yeah. And how he, he had learned from him during his time here and just how we have to take our mental health you know, seriously. And even, he even went on a, a thing there. I, I made a note of it of, you know, in a different question saying, talking about how important it is to talk about your mistakes. And he's like, I, I want to, I think he said, I think that's one of the problems that we don't create these opportunities enough to share about our mistakes. So not only you can, you know, learn as a person, but people can see your story and learn from it and grow as a person too. So, um, yeah, a, a lot of, a lot of answers today. There you go. That's a lot of talk. Uh, I heard, I saw a lot of people on Twitter and ch chat and stuff like that say they didn't even mention the domestic violence and all that kind of stuff. They did, right? We just went through all the different ways that they talked about it. It they was did. definitely mentioned. Whether you mentioned. agree with the the details in which they, you know, right. the lack of details of it, then yeah, there's a lot of people out there that probably disagree with that. But it it was not glossed over. It it was definitely talked about today. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, coming up, let's get into some uh, some funny moments, some thoughts, some some final observations about the the presser that that we found. All right, Isaac Harris, let's get into some more thoughts. Uh, I did. I was almost gonna play this before, like segueing into our uh, our conversation about Jason Kidd's personal history, but I didn't think it was the right path, so I, I pushed it back to right here. Jason Kidd had a had a comment about Luka Doncic. That was one of the funniest metaphors that really got away from him really quick. Mm. Uh, talking about Luca and how he, you know, helps uh, Luca grow as a, you know as a player. And this is the the metaphor Jason Kidd tried to use. Um, so to answer your second question, um, I have to wait until I can look under the hood. You know, I've I've been a far, you know I've been on the back row right now watching it on TV, and so I want to you know be able to touch the car. And uh, the more I can spend time with him, then I can answer that question. Um, but I, from afar, it's a beautiful thing to watch. Um, it's, you know, poetry in motion. If you look back at when Dirk started, he's probably a little bit more advanced than what Dirk can do at 21, 22 years old. But um, Dirk did finish as a Hall of Famer. And uh, I think Luca has that same... Um, aspirations, uh, you know, to be a Hall of Famer at the end of the day. Which has now turned into my favorite drop. So I want to, you know, be able to touch the car. <laughs> so now you guys will know what that is from. Uh, <laughs> that metaphor really got away from him. So I want to, you know, be able to touch the car. Incredible metaphor. We're going to have some unintentional, funny Jason Kidd moments, I believe, in his oh, tenure. Oh, 100%. Uh, but I thought his answer when he, he talked about how, like, Luca is even more advanced than Dirk. Dirk, in an interview with, with 2K, mentioned that, like, Luca's already better than him right now when he was when he was 22. And I thought that, that was interesting that this came out on, like, the same day. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, yeah, when he said that, I know some people were like, oh, my gosh, when Kidd said that. Uh, but, I mean, yeah, it's true. Like, Luca. It's yeah, definitely right. more. I mean, Luca's. You can make the case that he's the most advanced twenty-two-year-old that's ever played the game of basketball. So, uh, so that's all of them, right? So that's, that's Dirk. Yeah. That's everyone. That's, everyone. That's all of them. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that wasn't you know breaking news on that, but yeah, the no. car thing was funny. But the concept of the car thing is very true. Of that we talked about, and I think in part one, it's running together at this point. Of hey, like 
I, got, I need to like work with Luca. Like, and that's not going to happen for so a bit, right? Because he'll be able to touch the car. <laughs> that's not going to happen for a bit because he's, you know, playing with Slovenia and, yeah. and he's going to be in Tokyo and all of that. So it'll be a little bit of time before he gets to uh, look under the hood and touch the car. He did that. We're going to just bounce around to a bunch of different topics, but I did think that he had a couple of really good ans- like basketball answers when he started talking about getting Luca to start on the second side of the floor, having a secondary creator, basically bring yeah. the ball up. And I thought there were some interesting things he mentioned as to how to help Luca. He mentioned Luca's longevity. We're not just talking about one year with Luca. We're talking about wanting to keep him around, keep him healthy for uh, years and years to come for the Dallas Mavericks. So he has thought about this and he has had conversations about this. And I thought that those were really good things when talking about his relationship and how he's going to coach and, and utilize Luca. Yeah. I love that. I love when kid was asked, you know, by Dorothy, uh, he was asked, Hey, who has been uh, somebody that's had the biggest influence on you growing up? Like basically who's your role model idol? And he said Magic Johnson, and he went on this whole thing about Magic and how he, you know, tried to be Magic early on. But he also talked but about he Gary- stopped growing. That was funny. <laughs> and, but he's like, he talked about Gary Payton and John Stockton, and he was talking about those relationships. And he's like, and being able to have these Hall of Fame point guards like Payton and Stockton to come in and to talk to Luca. He referenced that and yeah. be able to come in and talk to Luca about how to be a point guard in this league. He said, I think that would be huge for, and like, that's the stuff I'm like, Oh man, like, you know how cool. And I said this on green room, like, you know how cool it'd be like to walk in after practice, like as a media member and see like Gary Payton down on the other end with Luca, like getting up shots, talking to something like that's the type of relationship stuff that like, let's go. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, that's, I mean, when we talk about Nico and Jason Kidd having relationships across the league, being well-liked across the league, it's not just about free agents. It's about other things too, right? It's yeah. about, you know, getting the word out basically about the Mavericks and it's a good place to, to be and it's, you know, bringing in people to come and talk and all that kind of stuff. Like that stuff matters. And Nico talked about that. Uh, he took a, a question from uh, Hendo on his relationships with Nike and he was yeah. saying, hey, like I've been doing this for 19 years in basketball. He was like, my relationships across this industry, it goes across the board from the grassroots all the way up to the top of these biggest names. So uh, I, he really placed an emphasis on those relationships. You know what Jason Kidd also said? Good morning, Isaac. <laughs> also, something else Jason Kidd said that you actually made Good a joke morning, about Isaac. it during the press. You're like, all right, we're going to remember this. Uh, remember this comment later on the season. He was talking about Yeah, he was talking about himself as a younger player. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I used to drive my coaches crazy because I would try these <laughs> like crazy things in the game. And he was like, he briefly talked about how he's like, I want to let Luca do that. And I'm not, I don't, I don't want to get upset whenever he tries stuff. No, no, no. He said, quote, I won't get mad when Luca does that. And he's talking about improvising, does things that no one else does. He says, I will not get mad. I'm like, ooh, we got to hold him to that because I think there's going to be times when he might get frustrated, uh, you know, at times during games. Uh, we should do a segment on questions that should have been asked. Jason, we, do you think Luca will knock the cup out of your hand for an extra time? <laughs> would, do you think Luca would do that? Who on the Mavericks do you think is the player that would knock the cup out of your hand? Oh, Brunson. Oh, Brunson's a team player. He I think do Brunson would do it. Boban. <laughs> Just by by accident, like not even on purpose. <laughs> uh, Mark, in regards to hierarchy, where does Mavrello fit in to the decision making? <laughs> Is he above Bob or above uh, Nico? <laughs> when asked about the hierarchy question, if Mark Cuban would have started it with Mavrello, I would have, I would have laughed so hard in the middle of it. 
Uh, speaking of which, there's this, there's a segment of it where I didn't grab the clip, but you can hear me audibly laughing in the clip because Jason Kidd said something that I thought was funny. We were talking about the, uh, the different assistant coaches that he might bring in. They mentioned Tyson Chandler's name by name, which I thought was really cool. Uh, he was asked about JJ Barea, which they said that they, they talked to him and have been in contact with JJ Barea. But then he said, we got to know if these guys want to be coaches. (laughs) Yeah. I thought that was so funny to think about. We're trying to give all these people, these jobs like, Oh, Tyson will want to come and Sean Marion and Jake Kidd and all that. But do we know those guys want to be coaches? Like, I think JJ has mentioned it before, but do we know? Yeah, can, let me let me do a mini rant real quick because right. I've seen some Mavs fans like try to take issue with this 2011 nostalgia, bringing in all these old, you know, the old players. Like, oh, we just bring back the title team. Who freaking cares? Like, what are we talking about? They're at the end of the freaking roster. Like, this is, I mean, the end of the bench. Like, we're not, they're not trying to hire Tyson Chandler and JJ Barea to be Igor's spot. Like, we've talked about all these assistant coaches that's going to be there from Igor that they're bringing in out of another contract overseas to be like another head assistant coach. We've talked about Sean Sweeney that we talked about. St. Jean, like, they have all these other assistants. Like, if it's an, if, if an ex player is going to be on that bench, they're probably going to be towards the end of the bench in some player development type role. If JJ Barrett or Tyson, whoever it is. And why not? Like, why can't they be in at the end of the bench? Like how cool. I, like, I'm just excited about that. I was, when he said Tyson Chandler, I was hyped. Yeah. I want JJ Barrett on this roster. If Jason Terry is in, like yeah, how hyped are you going to be? I know yeah. I'm going to be, y'all can't steal my joy on this. If summer league happens <laughs> and it's like, joy. Berea and Tyson and Jet over there, like running the summer league roster, sign me up, hook it to my veins, baby. So <laughs> I, I just, I, I think it's really cool for the spot that it is. I would be a little bit more worried if it's like, yeah, we're going to let Tyson and uh, these guys like kind of figure it out for, to be my like lead assistant <laughs> that I would be a little worried at that. But to my understanding, it's going to be towards the end of the bench type of assistant coach role. If that's the case. So I'm, I'm not here for the, Oh my gosh, like it's a it's a bad thing that we could have a couple of the 2011 guys. No, no. And Mark Cuban also mentioned that if JJ Barea wants a job with the Mavericks, whether it's coaching or somewhere else, he has a job. Just yeah. like the the open offer to Dirk, which I thought was another cool thing. I can't remember who made this point, but somebody made it this point on this podcast. It wasn't one of us. That that's a big selling point for players as well. That a lot of players they are out of basketball, and then all of a sudden they're like, "Well, what do I do?" And then they go back to their the ownership of their team that they were with for a while, and then they're like, "Ah, we don't have anything for you. Maybe I have a connection or something." But well, Cuban's like, "No, I got a job for you. I have something for you to yeah. do." Right? Like Daryl Armstrong, come back and be. Rolando Blackman is is works for the organization. He's not a coach. He's not one of the you know like the face of anything, but he has a job in the organization. Brad Davis has a job in the organization. Derek Harper has a job, you know, working on the, on the broadcast, like all that kind of stuff. There, there's guys in the, in the organization that have jobs and have roles. Dirk will have a role, all that kind of stuff. And I think that's huge. So it was another player. It doesn't, it isn't just the legends. It isn't just the guys that got their numbers retired. Yeah. It, uh, it extends to, to JJ Bray, who we know his number is not going to be retired because Mark Cuban told us that on this podcast. That's very, very true. <laughs> uh, I had a couple smaller things. One kid said he's talked to Luca since you know all this is yeah, went down. Cool. Um, said that Luca's excited that they've been texting because that's a new generation. Yeah, that was a really weird thing. Jason uh, Kidd had some wild, like wild things that he said. He was like, "Yeah, he had more dad jokes than Mark." And we Way were all, more. we were placing odds on it uh, before so the things. You know, be able to touch the car. <laughs> we were placing odds on it before. <laughs> Uh, before the presser started, us and a couple of media people are like, all right, over under dad jokes from Mark. I was saying, I'm like, 
are we going to get a, a Mark comment of, Hey, uh, Jason didn't bolt for New York this time. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I could totally see Mark doing that or, Hey, we, we wanted to bring back 2011 team. Uh, now <laughs> 10 years too late. Like I could have totally seen something like that, but he didn't. I was kind of disappointed. And uh, Nico, but, you think you can get me some Nikes, you know, like <laughs> something, something like that. That know. That's definitely something. No, okay. Speaking of Nico. Nico had had a, a great quote too when he was talking about Kid and Luca, and I think the question to him and, and Kid was about like what's the next step for Luca basically like how can he prove? Nico said it's tough to nitpick an All NBA player. The best thing you can do is surround him with a Hall of Fame coach who played the same position and let them vibe off each other. I know I think we might have talked about this earlier, but uh, when's the last time the Dallas Mavericks general manager said the word vibe or does Donnie or, know what vibe means or anybody in, in position of power said the word vibe, right? Like, but I just, I think that just shows you a small glimpse into the, it, it's a little bit beyond like Jason Kidd and his ability to connect with players, all this stuff. It is, there's a, a, a another branch of that, of Jason Kidd's a hall of fame point guard. One of the best to play the point guard position and to have him there with Luca playing that spot, another bigger point guard and all of that. I, I think that just shows you another glimpse into that <clears throat> into that pairing of like what they're yeah. thinking about too. Yeah, that was that was interesting. Uh Nico Harrison also mentioned servant leadership a lot. I know you heard that yeah. in the clip uh in the in part one when I asked him the question, but he mentioned servant leadership a lot. I thought that was really interesting that he mentioned that as you know, in the position he's in. He has he's the president of basketball operations, like the top. It's his dream job, it's the top of it. But to mention mention servant leadership a couple of times like that was pretty interesting. And I'm I'm curious as to how he gets that into to practice. Like how does he actually make that work? But uh, yeah, I thought that was an interesting emphasis for him to bring. Yeah, for sure. I, I love hearing about that constant communication. He mentioned that yeah. there was something else he mentioned as far as like a tagline, but he mentioned that Dallas is home. That's what he said. He said he, yeah, uh, he, 2002. First, yeah, he first started with Nike. Dallas was, was one of his bases. And so he, he lived in Dallas for a little while. And then, uh, he said, yeah, Dallas is home. That was a state started relationships with Dirk and Finn back then. Oh yeah. Dirk and Finn and Nash. He was, he, that's what he, who he was working with back then. So it was interesting that like they both had connections to the Mavericks. Like they still haven't necessarily had like an outside hire with no, no one, like someone that didn't have any connections to the Mavericks at all. Yeah. I thought that was pretty interesting, but yeah, that's very true. Any other thoughts? Honestly, don't have. I I've, I just went through all of. Did my we say notes. Nate Hinton was in attendance? Nate Hinton yeah. was there. Uh, he was the only Mavericks player that we saw. He was hanging out on the side. He was in like gym shorts and a shirt, and he was just talking to Da afterwards. Um, yeah, we mentioned the assistant. I think in part one we mentioned the assistant coaches that were there. Sean Sweeney was there. He has been rumored to be a Mavericks coach. He was there. Uh, Greg St. Jean was there. He was an assistant coach with the Lakers. It's now coming over and reported to be joining Jason Kidd's uh, coaching staff. Uh, Igor was not there, but Igor was again, you know, is rumored and is, is potentially coming over with the Mavericks. Uh, Daryl Armstrong, we've mentioned a couple times. He was in attendance. God Sham God was in attendance. He was there. Peter so, Patton. Uh, yeah, Peter Patton. We're, we're assuming that all those guys are still hanging on to the, to the staff. So it's starting to fill out now, the, the assistant yeah. coaching staff. Here. And even, I know you, you mentioned this a little bit ago, you know, Berea, that's been reporting stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, I personally still think the Berea, you know, I think still happens, but, you know, kid admitted he's like yeah we've talked to him there's nothing final we've we've talked to him about it and all of that so that kind of led into the you know tyson thing and uh you know he said you know x mass players like is there other players on there are we gonna see like who who would be the most random x maverick that 
would show up and you're AJ like, Hammonds. <laughs> He's probably still playing overseas or something. What's AJ Hammonds up to? Anybody know? Nico Brusino. Jose Calderon is like, hey, I'm done with Mass Singer in Spain. No, he's uh, doing Locked On Pelicans right now. Oh, that's true, yeah. If you haven't, go look at Locked On Pelicans' YouTube channel right now. Go look at Jake Madison and tell me he doesn't look like Jose Calderon. And I'll tell you, the person that told him he looked like Jose Calderon was Anthony Davis at a presser one time. (laughs) Anthony Davis looked at Jake Madison and said, you look like Jose Calderon. (laughs) But now, you know, now... It's the new chapter, right? Yep. It's it's Nico, it's Jason Kidd, you know, Mark Cuban, Sent Marshall, these guys, you know, Dirk, Finn, these decision makers in Dallas. It's it's a new era now, right? And we have a draft coming up in a, in a couple of weeks. Now they're going to hit the, you know, they're going to hit the draft prep even though Nico said he's been, you know, evaluating drafts for 19 years. <laughs> uh and they go into a draft that they don't have a pick in. Do they make a move? We don't know. We, how active would they be? We don't know. Like that's one that's one of the things we said on Green Room is if somebody's telling you right now that they know exactly what Dallas is going to do, they they they're wrong because nobody knows right now. Nobody knows what Nico's going to do in the front office. Nobody knows what like we just don't know because it's brand new. It's brand How new. would they know? They're going to know. How but, would they know? But that that's the that's the thing that, that brings a little bit, you know, excitement to it, I think, of yeah. like, man, let's see how these next few weeks play out. Let's see what free agency looks like. Well, these relationships that we've heard so much that was talked about today and that we'll continue to hear about, will that lead to a big name, a big star actually coming to Dallas via trade or free agency? We'll see. We don't know. And I, so I, I think, yeah, it was uh, it's a it's a new chapter in Dallas. It's a new dawn. It's a, it's new, a new day. day. It's, a, it's new a new life. There you go, guys. Thanks so much for listening to Locked On Mavs. Peace out. Oh, 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 um, I have to wait until I can look under the hood. You know, I've I've been a far, you know I've been on the back row right now watching it on TV. And so I want to, you know, be able to touch the car.